continue to build his house and you are his house. Cool. Very cool. Today we're going to move from our whole process of position and serving to answer the question, why does God do what he does? And it'll be based on the love of God. We'll be talking about that today. And so when we talk about the love of God, what we have to understand is that biblical love, first and foremost, is not Cupid with a little bow and arrow shooting into our hearts. Because how many know that's a pagan image? And that's based on your feelings. And if it's just based on your feelings, they go up and down and they change. And you hear all kinds of things in our culture. Well, I just don't love that anymore. And whatever that might be. But biblical love is an act of the will. It's a choice that God has made to love us just the way we are, but not leave us the way we are and move us to the image of his son. It's a choice that he's made. So I want you to say this under your breath. Jesus, you love me just the way I am. But you're not going to leave me the way I am. Why? Because his choice is to make you the very best that you can be in every aspect of your life. Biblical love is accompanied by emotions, but it's not led by our emotions. We have to understand that. Emotions come as a result of our choices, but we're not led by our emotions. They're a byproduct of what it means to be loved by God in the way that he loves us. And ultimately, it leads to action on behalf of those that are the object of his love. And so you're the object of his love. He made a choice to love you. And in loving you, sometimes your whole being experiences the presence of God. And that makes that relationship so intimate and so intense. But we're also going to look at why it is that when God loves us, he reminds us, I want you to love me with your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. So it's all of you loving him the way all of him loves you. Are you ready? Father, thank you for our moment together this morning. We ask that by the power of your spirit, you speak to our hearts about this issue called love. And whatever's in the way, God, that you would move that out of the way and begin the process of us knowing in our knower that we are loved and that when we look at your son, Jesus, on the cross, we see the evidence of his love in action, the choice that he made and the wonderful results that have come as a fruit of that action that he betrayed on you. And so, Father, thank you right now for what you're going to do in every heart and every life in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're moving from serving to loving. And uh, we talked last week a little bit about what we depend on. We deepen in our hearts and in our lives and that over time we get to, to trust in those things. So how do you move from serving others to loving those you serve, especially those that are difficult to love? Then don't look at the person beside you. 
So there's a couple of key things, and my first responsibility this morning is to make sure I don't go over. So a couple of things that are really important is that Jesus asks us to really not only be his follower, but be like him in ministry to others. And the biggest challenge comes sometimes when we look at our capacity to love. And we discover that sometimes it's about that big and other times it's huge. So what Jesus did in, in our closing last week is that he washed the feet of his disciples. And while he's doing that, he knows that Judas is going to betray him. Peter's going to deny him. Thomas is going to doubt him. And so outside of Judas, who rejects the redeeming message and the person of Jesus, God is helping the disciples understand that this love that they're experiencing is a redeeming love that has not only found them, but it is changing them day in and day out. And they're going to go into a culture that is hostile, just like it is to us today. And in the crucible of this defining moment, Jesus says these words to his disciples, a new commandment I give you. Now, Jews knew they had 613 laws to follow already. He says, I have a new one for you. And it's like, oh, yeah, here we go again. And this one supersedes all. He says, I give you that you love one another. Now, here's, here's the biblical definition. As I have loved you. And you're also to love one another by this. All people then will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so this leads to the biggest challenge that all of us face in our lives. And it is being obedient to what Jesus has commanding us to do as his followers. It is answering the big question of life, the why question. Why God? Why are you working in the midst of this world that seems so hostile and so broken and so dark and so dismal? It's because he loves, for God so loved the world. And our biggest mistake is when we root our love for others and our capacity to love others, we find that we come up short all the time. So we always have to go back to God's word and say, Lord, a new commandment that you've given us to love one another as you have loved us. And so it's an act of our will. It's a choice that we make. It is accompanied by emotions. It's not led by emotions. And it leads to action. And the action is to wash the feet of others the way Jesus did. And sometimes we then begin to do what we do with our cars. And if you're like Dr. Rob and you drive a little sports car, you every so often you want to check the oil. And when you check the oil, you pull the dipstick out and you see how much is left. Well, sometimes the Lord checks the dipstick in your life and in my life too. And when he's checking the dipstick, he's looking for the measure of love that we have for others as he has for us. And so capacity is not fixed. It floats in some seasons. I think you and I both noticed that we have more grace for others than at other times. Our emotions vary. But I want to take you on a journey this morning 
And I want you to be introduced to a young lady that I met when I was in Rwanda. And I had gone there just after the genocide. And she came up to me in Zion Temple when we were ministering together in the conference. It was a pastor's conference. And she said, I've written a book about my journey and what happened in the genocide. Over 100 days, almost 850,000 people died. And her name is Immaculée. Ibi Gaza, and she is a wonderful young lady, born around the same time as our children in the 70s, and lived through this crucible. And as a believer, she was confronted with her capacity. She was confronted with a hostile, violent world all around her. And she had to make some decisions in her life, not based on her feelings, but on the truth of how she was living her life. And so we're going to watch an eight-minute video. And as you do, I want you to just open your heart. And I want you to see the power of God at work in a human life in a very extreme situation. And then as we come back, we'll walk through this power of the love of God. Charles Spurgeon said, for, for us to hate those who are in error or to talk of them with contempt, or wish them ill, or to do them wrong, is not according to the Spirit of Jesus. You cannot cast out Satan by Satan, nor correct error by violence, nor overcome hate by hate. The conquering weapon of God is his love expressed through the life of his children in often the most difficult of circumstances. So let's watch this video together. Today we begin a series called I Forgive You with the story of a woman who forgave in the midst of unthinkable circumstances, the genocide in Rwanda in 1994. A million people died in a period of three months. A million people everywhere was dead bodies. One morning, my brother, Damasen, he came to my room and he told me, he said, you are sleeping. You don't know what happened. The president of the country died. I'm like, what? He said, yeah, they shot his plane. I remember I got up from my bed, jumped and picked up my jeans and put on and a shirt. It was the last clothes I put on for the next four months. Immaculate Ilibigeza, a 24-year-old college student, had just become a target for Hutu gunmen. They started to see how Tutsis, our tribe, killed the president and how they were going to kill every Tutsi to take revenge. My father asked me to go to a neighbor to hide. And this neighbor was from the other tribe, a Hutu. He was a protestant minister. He went through the house and opened the door of the bathroom and pushed me there. We were eight people. Eight women hiding in this tiny bathroom, death lurking just outside. One time I stood up, I looked through this window, this little piece of window in the bathroom, and I couldn't believe what I saw. I saw the killers, they were coming to search. 
It was about maybe three to four hundred. They were going through the window like, one, wow, going, going. And they screamed loud like, we're going to get Tutsis. We're going to find them. To know that somebody who's come to kill you, I mean, you are facing death in a few minutes. I remember in that moment I said, God, if you are real, if you exist, don't let them find the door of the bathroom. They searched for two hours and they left. For me, it was that moment that gave me back my faith. Immaculate prayed every day for 91 days. Our Father, who art in heaven, how to be the name. But there was one part of the prayer she could not bring herself to say. That said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Those who trespass against us as we forgive. What am I saying? You mean people who trespass against me and my neighbors who are killing me? But while she was still in the bathroom, Immaculate had an epiphany. You being mad at them, you getting angry, wanting to do what they're doing, doesn't change a thing. Something just was so clear in that moment that told me everyone has a chance. Just to know that there is a chance this person can see the truth. That allowed me to let go that anger. And we are joined live in the studio by Immaculate Ilivigeza, who is also the author of two books, Left to Tell and Led by Faith. Good morning. Good morning. You're trapped inside this bathroom. Yes. You have no idea when you're going to get out. You pray this prayer every day that when it comes time to forgive those who would trespass against you, you cannot do it. I couldn't do that. Could not say the words. Yes. What changed in your heart that made you say, even though death is outside my door, even though my family has been destroyed by these people, I will open my heart to them? You know, when I said that prayer, I realized that one time it was a prayer that God himself, our Lord, gave us. And when I said those, I remember that, you know what? I want you to help me to forgive. Help me out. And when I was able to open my heart just to help me out, mm -hmm. that is really when I understood that these people are going through a state of mind I cannot go in. Right. And I want to understand what is going on in their hearts. Mm -hmm. And you know when you try to understand, that is the only way you can really find forgiveness. See the other verse in the Bible, Lord forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah. Is what Jesus said. Mm -hmm. Still, still, we might in any of our circumstances in everyday life, you are in the middle of a war. Mm -hmm. Your family, by and large, has been killed by these people. Mm -hmm. These people want to kill you. Mm -hmm. How do you find that spot to say, I don't hate you? You know, the hatred, I went through a moment of rage. I went through a moment of when I wanted to, to kill them, just like they did to me. But especially that moment when I realized that I am lying. I'm saying words I can't do. And I really went on my knees and asked, help me out. That is when I found in my heart that it was possible to understand that mm -hmm. the state of mind they're going through, I don't have You don't have it. To, yeah, I don't have it. Right. And I don't have to hate them for me to find justice. Just to reset this war, your Tutsi, Hutus are on a rampage. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands mm -hmm. of people are killed. So many people in this land, Tutsis hate Hutus. 
to, uh, Hutus hate Tutsis. Yes. But there's a person we want to bring out who's an old friend of yours, Alfonsi Mukanzanka, right? Who you know, who is Hutu, who you found through the UN and became friends with. And you haven't seen in a long, 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 long time. Please, please sit down. Hutu, Tutsi. What did it mean to you to have someone from another tribe and in a world, in a country at war, say, I don't hate you. I don't hate you for who you are and who your people are. What did that mean? I can, uh, I can say that at the beginning, I didn't believe her, that she was really sincere. But um, after a few days, I saw that her love for God, faith, her faith and forgiveness touched really my my heart, and mm. I believed yeah. that she really wanted to be friend to me, and she really liked me. You're two people. Can two people change? Four people change? Eight people change? And on and on and on, because people could see that the two of you love each other. I truly, despite yeah. everything else. Definitely, I truly believe that because many people, even in my family, they ask me. What's going on? You know, you like her. I'm like, she's my best friend, and I really trust her. And I've seen people, friends, who have come to really realize that, you know what? Let's make a step to understand the other person. Because when you forgive, you can be objective and really see that the person who have hurt you doesn't mean that their whole tribe are like that, or their whole people from their country, or their whole race. Right. And that would I have found when I was able to let go that anger. And would that lesson be able to be learned with the Palestinians and the Israelis and all the other places in the world where there is just so much yeah. hatred? Thank you. Both. And it is possible to forgive. I have gone through that. It is possible. Thank you both yeah. for being here today. Thank, Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. It is possible. The love of Christ is beyond our comprehension. It is deep. It is wide. It is a capacity that we need to lean into. And so when Jesus gives us the commandment to love one another, he doesn't say where or how. He just says, I want you to walk in my love towards others and for her to be in that situation in the conference that we had in in Kigali there were probably 30,000 people there and it was a night of reconciliation and repentance and the tears and the cries and the different groups of people not just the Hutus and the Tutsis but the Twa that's another tribe within Rwanda and all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to us as a team, and there was only a few of us that were white. The rest were black, and the Lord said to us, you're to wash the feet of the pastors of this house, and so we did. We got bowls and towels, and we got on our knees, and we wept, and we washed their feet, and we said, God, 
you can do in a moment what would take us a lifetime and speak to the hearts that skin is just skin. It's just the wrapping paper. The essence of who we are is followers of Jesus Christ. And in building bridges to the hearts of others instead of walls, God can do an amazing work. And Zion Temple now has gone to different parts of the world, and God is doing amazing things in their midst and continues to do so. Immaculate has gone on to not only write books, but she works at the UN. She travels the world. And I just think, Lord, thank you for the privilege that I had just to meet her and just to be in her presence and to realize what she's gone through and the process of learning to forgive. And it is a process. Yes, you make a decision, but it's sometimes very difficult to get to that point. And so Jesus knows that humanity's broken. He knows that we need to forgive one another to walk together. He knows that uh, for our sake, he made himself to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him might become the righteousness of God. He built the bridge to us and said, I'm going to identify with you, and I'm going to take upon myself those things that are breaking your heart, that are keeping you separated from my Father. And I'm going to build that bridge between us so that you can move into relationship with my Father, and you can know that you know that you know that you are loved and deeply, deeply loved. So servanthood comes out of an understanding of the love of God. I'm going to read a scripture from Matthew chapter 18. It, it's a preliminary to where Peter, in his own heart, thinks he's really got it together, and he asks Jesus about forgiveness. And uh, he looks at Jesus and said, uh, how often should I forgive? Seven times? And then Jesus comes back with the capacity-breaking response. No, Peter, how about 70 times? <laughs> it just blew Peter away, as it does us. Because our dependence is not on our capacity. Our dependence is on the inexhaustible love of God that is at work within us. And that's where we need to go. And so in Matthew 18, beginning of verse 23, for this reason, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents or upwards of $6 billion today was brought before him. And he didn't have the money to pay it back. And his master commanded that he, his wife, and his children, everything be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his face before him and said, Master, be patient with me, and I'll pay you everything. And the master of the servant had compassion and released him and forgave him the loan. Remember last week we were talking about at the cross, what is nailed to the cross are all of our sins, the debt that we owe God the judgment of death, separation eternally from him, a debt that we cannot pay. And so like the servant, we fall on our face and we ask God for forgiveness. And the servant went out and found one of his own servants 
who owed him a hundred denarii or say twelve thousand dollars today in contrast to six billion debt he grabbed him choked him and said pay what you owe at this the fellow servant fell down and began begging him saying please be patient with me and I'll pay you back but he wasn't willing instead he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed and when the other servants saw what had taken place they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. After he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So, my heavenly Father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. How I many know oh, that's, that's a tough message? Because there is so much injustice in the world. You know, I follow a lot of folks on Facebook and I look at what is taking place with COVID-19 and all that surrounds that. And I say to myself when I'm going through it, don't you know that we live in a fallen world? Don't you know that we have government leaders that are sinners just like we are? Don't you know that unless... The Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Unless the Lord is the righteous judge of the nation, the nation stumbles. And you begin, you look out and you begin to see that why should we rail on each other? Because we are just men and women that are fallen. We are just men and women who are weak. We are just men and women like the servant who have an amazing debt that we can't pay, and then God pays the debt on our behalf. And then he says, now I want you to go out and don't be like you used to be. I want you to go out and represent me well. To the degree that you understand what you have been forgiven of is the degree to which you will love others. And that's why in my life and in my journey with, with Joyce and I, we wrote, Love Never Fails on the tablets of our heart and said, Lord, you were merciful to us. You were gracious to us. You were kind to us. You didn't have to do what you did in redeeming us, but you did. And Lord, because of that, how can we hold anything against anyone? Teach us to walk in the love of God. And as we were coming in today, I looked at the sign on the front door and it said, 40 years, love never fails. And I thought to myself, thank you, Lord. Create a people who love you and love others and demonstrate that love by their willingness to forgive. And so to love someone the way Jesus loves you is remembering specifically what Jesus has done in your heart and in your life. Sometimes you'll say things like I'll say. Well, they're not worthy to be receiving my, my love and my forgiveness. They don't deserve it. Sometimes we don't feel charitable towards other people. But the reality is we didn't deserve it either. We weren't worthy either because of his great love. 
And so Jesus knows how to change our hearts and change our lives. Two things as we finish. Number one, the mistake is to look at your own capacity. The correction is to look at the completeness of Christ. And when you do that, then you can make your journey. John 3.16, by this we know that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. 1 John is a powerful, powerful epistle about the love of God. 1 John 4, beloved, let's love one another because love's from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Do you know sometimes when you appeal to somebody's intellect, sometimes they're much smarter than you and have better answers and better arguments, and you can't win them that way, but when you love them, their defenses go down. When people receive the love that they don't feel they deserve, something happens on the inside. Verse 10, and this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. His love is perfected in us, and then he is seen through us, through the actions of our heart and through the actions of our life. If music ministry is coming back, now's a good time to do that. I want you to know we all struggle with this issue of love and this issue of forgiveness. But you might have to write a list down of some people that are on your heart. And let me just do this illustration. If I handed this to Glenda and I said, Glenda, I want you to hold this through the entire service. She would say, wow, that's just a little jug of water. That's not a big deal. But how many know the longer she held that, the heavier this would get? And it might seem like a very simple thing in the beginning. But over time, hour after hour after hour, and she's holding on to this, her arm is going to get sore. It's going to get heavy. And she's going to want to get rid of this at some point. And so in your heart and in your life, I'm sure there are things that seem very, very light and very, very simple. But over time, that becomes a weight that's a heaviness on your heart and a heaviness on your life. Now is the time to begin to say, Lord, I want to release that. I want to get rid of that. And so I want you to put your hand over your heart wherever you are. Father, in a moment like this, we want to say thank you that as we love on you, as we worship you this morning, we know that there are people, there are situations, there are circumstances, there are events, there are things that we've all gone through that have caused issues in our heart, not just of unforgiveness, but not walking in the love of God the way we should. And so, Lord, would you lift those burdens right now as we release them to you. Peter tells us, cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. Lord, we want to know that you care for us today. We want to know your release from these issues that we hold on to. And as we watch the video today and the impossibility of that situation, you set in motion a process 
that allowed Immaculate to reveal the love of your kingdom to others. And so, Lord, do that in us today. We want to be known as a people of love and a people who care. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I'm going to invite Elizabeth to come close off our time together. And then as music ministries, as ministers worship, if you need prayer and you want to receive prayer today, just stay in your seat. and We'll be happy to come and pray with you. Thank you.